Welcome to Inside the Media Minds. This is your host, Christine Blake. This show features in-depth interviews with tech reporters who share everything from their biggest pet peeves to their favorite stories. From our studio at W2 Communications, let's go Inside the Media Minds. Hey everyone, this is Christine Blake, the host of Inside the Media Minds, and I'm excited today to welcome Francis Rose, the host of the Daily Scoop podcast. Welcome, Francis. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks. We're so excited to have you. I know we've known you for years now. Um, you have a very extensive background in journalism and in this space um, in general. So let's start out with a quick overview of your background so listeners can get a chance to know you. I know your experience at Government Matters, and then we'll get into some of uh, your recent um, experience as a podcast host. So the, uh, the basics for the government space are, I started at Federal News Radio in 2006, um, had been in spoken word radio before that, but that was the first time that I really focused on the executive branch and the operations, the agencies and stuff like that. And I was there for nine years. I joined the Government Matters television show in 2016, was there till this summer. And I came to the Scoop News Group in uh, August of this year, been here for two whole months now. Mm -hmm. And um, we started up the beginning of September, the Daily Scoop podcast. We've been cranking it out every day ever since. That's amazing. So it's a daily podcast, which is a lot of work. So what is the type of, um, what type of stuff do you talk about during the podcast? So we're really focused primarily on information technology in the federal government, but also on human capital management and workforce issues, uh, also on management, especially financial management stuff, and on acquisition too. All of those, those are the big four specialties that seem to be the most interesting to executives in the federal government. And that's the audience. You know, I'm trying to reach people that are like GS 13 level and up and senior executive service folks and uh, political appointees and provide them with information to do their jobs better. Um, there's a lot of a lot of people refer to me as a journalist, and that's fine. Um, I guess I am one, mm -hmm. but my self-identification, I guess, is talk show host because you know I think about the people that I work with that are journalists that go out and interview people, a bunch of people, or cover an event, and they put together uh, a story about it. And I've always thought in my mind that's what journalism is. And my thing is a lot different. You know, I do a little bit of news reporting at the beginning, mm -hmm. just a little. And then I talk to three people over the course of the show, same way I'm talking to you, or three segments at least. Sometimes if somebody's really cool, I'll have them on for more than one segment. But the, the point is, uh, I'm talking to people. I'm interviewing them and getting ideas from them that I think other people in my audience will be able to use to do their jobs better when they go to work the next day. And so I, I think of myself more as a talk show host than a journalist. Mm -hmm. I like that. I like that, uh, that, uh, that outlook on as a talk show host. That's cool. Um, so how do you select which guests that you have on the podcast? A lot of it's reflexive. A lot of it is just the fact that I've have been doing this for a long time. I think I'm pretty plugged into the community of people that I want to be listening to the program. And so I think I have a pretty good bead on the things that they care about. Um, broadly, if it fits into one of those four buckets that I just described, uh, acquisition, human capital, IT, management, 
then I'm probably interested in it. What the, the kinds of people that really interest me the most though, are either people who are in government now who are actually doing it or people who have been in government in the past and know what it feels like to sit in that chair and make that decision and push that in initiative or whatever, uh, who have the benefit now of being outside and they can be real candid. And mm -hmm. I use them the same way that um, sports broadcasts use former players as analysts. Oh, Those folks that. can explain what something means, how it will be to implement some directive from OMB or whatever, uh, CISA, all of that that kind of thing. And, and those folks have a tremendous amount of credibility with their peers who are still in government because those folks know, well, she had to do the same thing I had to do. So if that's her strategy, it probably would work for me too. And over time, I've gotten really good reaction from the people who are in the chair today saying, you know, I heard you talk to that person about that issue and I found her comments really useful so uh, that's that's kind of the strategy that I uh, that I employ to choose folks. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. And so you've been, um, you know, a, a host, a talk show host in this space for a while now, and you've definitely seen some interesting changes in the government space. What are some of those changes, I guess? And then what are some of the biggest trends and topics this year that you've been covering? So the. The biggest changes, I guess, revolve around the individual technologies that people use and the individual techniques for management that people use. Um, for example, when I started in this space 15 years ago, hardly anybody was talking about risk management on any level at all. Um, that changed uh, not too long after I started covering this space, the late 2000s, early 2010s, um, people really started using enterprise risk management um, uh, concepts that the private sector have been using for a long time. Um, you know, obviously there are things like cloud computing and the emphasis on cybersecurity and those things uh, that have been around but have morphed over time. And then there are the kind of the cutting edge technologies of today, uh, like AI. I mean, I wish I had a quarter for every time somebody <laughs> wanted to say AI on my show, I would stop doing the show soon. Um, and machine learning and all those kinds of things. Um, as far as trends go, I think the biggest trend that I'm seeing right now is agencies want to dump so much money into cybersecurity. And the they have the support of the leadership in their agencies and the leadership in the administration to do it. Um, one of the most robust conversations I would have say 10 years ago around cybersecurity revolved around how practitioners like CIOs and CISOs and others could convince their leadership they could get the money that they should get the money they needed to provide adequate cyber defenses. Because at that time, a lot of non-IT leadership, this is true in the private sector, not just in the government, was saying, well, if we're not having any incidents, mm. then why do we direct resources there? And from a strict bottom line perspective, it made sense. But as we have seen in the interim years, and this is something 
uh, a train of thought in 2010 or 2011, and if we've seen in the last 10 years, that was a really dumb way to approach it. And um, that that's one dynamic that's completely shifted from where it was before. Everybody in leadership in agencies seems to understand that uh, cybersecurity is an absolute must for a million different reasons. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can imagine. So that totally makes sense. And it's good to see that kind of proactive activity with cybersecurity now, um, especially, you know, uh, 2015 was the OPM breach and we, we see headlines every day with, you know, ransomware attacks and all of it. So that's probably a, a good shift. Um, what, so I guess as we look ahead to 2022, um, what are some of the key topics you think it still is AI and cybersecurity? What are some of the other key topics that you think maybe, you know, headlines and conversations in 2022? Well, I think one of the things that I have wondered about in the past is do we pay attention too much to the individual pieces of technology and not pay enough attention to the people who are going to implement them and execute the strategies and all that stuff. Um, I think if there's anything that we've learned from the Fatara legislation, it's that all of these four areas of specialty that I talked about are more interwoven than they ever have been before. I guess that would be another answer to your question earlier about um, what I've seen that's changed is those folks don't operate in silos anymore. They collaborate with each other all the time and they're connected to each other all the time. The government as an enterprise is getting a little better at connecting say all of the chief human capital officers and all of the chief acquisition officers through the councils. The councils are fairly effective models, um, but we still haven't seen a whole lot of connective tissue so that if a chief financial officer at, um, at agency A ha has something that the chief information officer agency B could use. There's not a lot of cross-pollination of that. Um, and I think that's especially true when it comes to the workforce. So uh, what I'm hopeful for, I guess, I'll, I'll answer the question I wanna ask, answer instead of the one that you asked, um, <laughs> is I hope there's a lot more cross-pollination of what is working uh, across specialties rather than within specialties and it has to get from one person at agency A to another person at agency A who can then share it with their peer at agency B. That's really a kind of a convoluted clunky way of yeah. that stuff getting around. But I think, I think there, uh, an emphasis on the underlying workforce that will have to do all of those things that are important to execution on an agency's mission will be uh, the, maybe the most high profile discussion next year. And it's not just because of retirement numbers and so on. I mean, when I came into this space, people were saying, yeah, we've been talking about a retirement wave for so long, it's never happened. And it still never happened. Mm -hmm. And so, but it's going to happen at some point. And uh, I think the, the, the people who are thinking about and preparing for the next generation of federal of the federal workforce, whether it's employees or or whether it's uh, you know um, augmenting the workforce that we have now with technology tools or whatever, 
thinking about what the next gen looks like is going to be, I think, one of the most important discussions that happens in the coming year or so. Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah, that, that makes sense. I like your, your uh, view on making it a little bit more simplified, not having so many different convoluted pieces. I think that's, that's definitely a good outlook and hopefully that can happen one day. Um, so looking back at your entire, you know, career as a talk show host, I like, I like to call it that now. Um, what has been one of the most interesting topics that you've covered or even guests that you've had? And there's probably plenty, but yeah, well, I never choose an individual guest, uh, cause every other guest then says, why didn't you choose me? <laughs> of course, of course. So I'm not going to topic or an incident or a, a, an event. I'm not going to fall for that one, but I appreciate the attempt. I'm just, I'm just teasing. Um, you know, I, I like it all so much that I think rather than choosing a theme or something, the, the people that I like to talk to are the people who are uh, technically and, and logistically proficient. You know, they know the material, but who are also fun. This can be really boring, esoteric, wonky stuff if you let it. Sure. And um, I, I'm, I'm really fortunate to have made some acquaintances, connections, friendships, whatever you want to call it, with people who are tremendously knowledgeable and have terrific insight and who are also kind of fun to talk to and, and take, them, take the material seriously, but don't take themselves too seriously. And I think that to whatever degree somebody wants to decide that I've been able to do this well, I think that's really the key because I can have the best guests in the world and we can have the most important conversations about content possible. But if it's boring and nobody hears it, then it was all wasted energy. Mm -hmm. And so I've been, I've tried to be really, really aggressive over time about making the conversations fun and making them engaging, not because I want people to care about me, but because I want them to hear what the guests have to say Mm -hmm. so that then they can do something about it with the information that they learn. Yeah, because it also has to be a source of entertainment, right? And it's like if, you know, if someone, and it can get wonky too with acronyms and, you know, all these different components. But yeah, I I like that approach of of, uh, making sure that conversation is, uh, you know, relevant and um, not so much in the weeds. And I like, I like the, your point about taking the topic seriously, but not themselves too seriously. I think that's very valuable. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm getting at. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. And I know a, a lot of our, our listeners, you know, are, you know, PR professionals, communicators, marketers, if somebody wants to be a guest on the podcast, how does, um, how should they approach that with you? Well, I'm always looking for the people, the kind of people that I, that I mentioned earlier, somebody who's been in government, obviously uh, not in government anymore, um, is not a prerequisite, but I know it's easier for those folks to to become guests, to do media appearances and stuff like that. Um, that's, That's the main thing that I'm looking for, is somebody who has some experience in government, who has something to say about something that's happening in one of those four areas of expertise that I outlined earlier. Um, I will say too, um, I'm, I'm just as interested in the defense space in those four areas of expertise as I am in the civilian space. So um, my ideal guest is somebody 
who's done the job before. And I, I can't have too many of those people. So uh, open casting call yeah. to anybody that's listening who wants to send somebody my way. It's francis.rose at scoopnewsgroup.com. I'm always looking for interesting people who have something compelling to say about federal government, IT, human capital, uh, management, especially financial management or uh, acquisition stuff. That's great. No, thanks for, for giving that information. We'll definitely pass that along too. Um, and then, you know, to kind of looking back, how did you get into this, this space in, in the first place? Um, you know, it's, it's a little bit of a, a niche topic area, but also as a talk show host, what led you to this? Yeah, so I, um, I, I started at Federal News Radio in 2006, and I did not intend to find this subject matter area. I began there as a producer on the morning show. I wasn't even on the air. I'd been on the air for 20 some years at that point, but I uh, took the job basically because I wanted to get back into spoken word radio. I was working at a music station at the time. Hmm. And I thought, well, I'll just do this until the next thing. And it turned out the next thing was there because as I got to know people in this community and started to build a network, I really became fascinated with the whole government space, not from politics, because I'm not so interested in that. Mm-hmm. I'm, I, I, I told somebody once, I'm interested in the people who do stuff, not the people that talk about doing stuff, mm-hmm. is the way that I look at the difference between governance and the politics part of government. And I just really became fascinated with the dedication that people have to these jobs and the talent of the people that are there. And I really, just really enjoyed the community. One of the reasons I came to FedScoop is we use the word community about 8,000 times a day. Mm -hmm. And I really, it sounds maybe a little bit hokey, but I buy into that. It's, it's really a small town. When I was um, at, the radio station, my boss there, Lisa Wolf at the time asked me, uh, what, how did I view the audience of the radio station? And I said, you know, I kind of look at the audience of the radio station and the function that we serve for them in the same way that I would think about a radio station that's in the smallest, most isolated town in the country and maybe there's only like 75,000 people that live there and there's only one radio station. And so that radio station does the school lunch menus in the morning and they do the uh, trading post where people can call in and talk about the stuff they're trying to sell and all that kind of, you know, and mm-hmm. it sounds kind of cheesy in 2021, but that's that used to be the function that radio performed in those small towns. And I said, I think that's the function that I and people like me serve for this community of people in the federal government. It's, you're right, it's really small and it's really kind of wonky and offbeat, but the, they're real, first of all, these people are doing the work of the nation. And secondly, they control a trillion plus dollars in discretionary spending every year. So it's, it's really important I think for them to have the tools that they need to function the same way that little station in God knows where provides the information that that person needs to function in that town every day. I think we're kind of 
doing the same job for those folks. And as I started to think about that and, and really chew on that, it, it became a very compelling, uh, maybe mission is too strong a word, but, but uh, function in life professionally mm -hmm. to be able to fulfill. And I just have stuck with it ever since. And, and I can't imagine doing something else at this point. That's awesome. I, I always love to hear that from our guests, sort of like how they approach it and their kind of philosophy on it. And that's a really interesting one. Um, so we do probe a little bit for a couple of listener questions ahead of um, the episode. So I do have one for you. Um, oh, how do you view this podcast differently from what you've done in the past? Well, I'll be honest with you. I don't view it terribly differently at all. Um, because the point is the same. The point is to provide the folks that I've been talking about with information to help them do their jobs better. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think that I'm clever enough to have created some new way of delivering that kind of information. I don't think it's necessary at this point to reinvent the wheel. Number one, because it seems to be working. Um, people respond well that they get good actionable usable information from it and you you mentioned the, the fact it's a lot of work to do a show every day that's true mm -hmm. and so this methodology that we've developed is replicable scalable is the word people use in government all the time and this is scalable so that's been as much of the reasoning behind the way we approach it and the way we format it and the way we think about the guests and all of that as uh, as anything, um, it, it, as you well know, doing one of these, um, it, you got to get it out there. It's mm -hmm. it's it's one thing to want every show to be excellent, and we do. There's no question about that. But we promised listeners when we started that we were going to give them a show every day, and so since we had a, a kind of a formula that worked well both at the radio station, then at TV, and now here in the podcast form, we have this, this kind of formula that works well. We're just kind of doing the same approach that we always have. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, and then any, is there something interesting maybe that uh, outside of your professional life that maybe people wouldn't know about you that you'd like to share? No, there's nothing interesting about me at all, <laughs> other than the fact that I do this podcast every day. Um, let's see. Uh, I, I think people might be surprised to know that I'm really into cars. I love okay. cars, especially muscle cars from the uh, 50s and 60s. Um, just really big, loud engines, oh. in, primarily in Fords, really do it for me. Okay, that's cool. That's interesting. Yeah, I always like to hear about people's hobbies and interests outside of their professional life. So thanks for yeah. sharing. Yeah, sure. Sure. <laughs> awesome. Well, Francis, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. And for everyone listening, definitely tune into the Daily Scoop every day and subscribe and like and follow and all of that. Um, but yeah, it's been a pleasure speaking with you this afternoon, Francis. Thank you. Uh, quick self plug. Uh, when you go onto one of the podcast apps, you got to make sure you type in Daily Scoop podcast because there's actually a podcast called The Daily Scoop oh. and it's news for like eight year olds. So, I mean, you can listen <laughs> to that, but I think people that get something out of my show probably won't get a whole lot out of the, the other one. Okay. Okay. That's a great tip. We'll definitely pass that along as well. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much.
Thanks for having me, Christine. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of Inside the Media Minds. To learn more about our podcast and hear all of our episodes, please visit us at w2com.com slash podcast and follow us on Twitter at Media Mind Show. And you can subscribe anywhere podcasts are found.